Okay, Genesis chapter 37, we're going to begin there. In verse 18. Now when they saw him afar off, well, let me set it up a little bit. We're talking about Joseph here. And Joseph had a vision from God. And in his vision, he told his brothers that, I saw you bowing down to me. I'm just encapsulating it. And they didn't like it. They were mad because he had a vision. He had a purpose. He had a dream. He had a destiny from God they could not understand and they could not submit to. And that takes us to verse 18. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Can you imagine that? Your own brothers wanted to kill you? Do you know that's happening in Hayward? The city we're living in, it's happening now. It just happened. Verse 19. Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come therefore, and let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, Some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. They were trying to kill his vision. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to the Father. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph out of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for the next few moments, God, that you will set me aside, use me as an empty vessel, in all my weaknesses, God, that you can use my life for your honor and your glory. Open our hearts that we will receive from you something here today. And we're careful to give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. See, Joseph was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He was born to a, his father in his old age. He was the apple of his father's eye. He really didn't have to work. All he would do is run errands for his dad. He, he would check up on his brothers, probably snitch on them a little bit. You know, you know how kids are. But he wore a coat of many colors. And this really identified him as the favorite. He was the favorite of all the sons. In fact, all of his brothers were very jealous that he had that coat. I'm sure he was flying, too. Hey, look at me. I'm all that. Where's your coat? Because that's how he rolled. But see, we have to understand that Joseph was chosen by God, he was anointed by God, and he was favored by God. And my first point here is our vision brings favor and opposition. Whenever we have a vision from God, it's going to bring both. See, he was driven by the vision that God had given him. He may not have used wisdom in delivering it, but he was driven by it. 
Joseph was loved and he was hated. He was favored and he was despised. He was desired and he was opposed. See, Joseph represents you and I in Christ. Not everybody's going to like you because you have a vision. Not everybody's going to follow you and say, oh, he's got a great vision from God. He's, this is the guy, man. Oh, I'm going to follow him. Some people are going to hate you because of the vision that God has given your life. We have to understand that. See, Joseph represents us. Regardless of our physical, social, or even economic standing, we are still the apple of God's eye. It doesn't matter what color, what race, where you were born. It doesn't matter to God. He died for all of us. He loves us all the same. We are the apple of his eye. And like Joseph, we don't have to work for what we have. Listen to what I'm saying here. I'm talking about the favor of God. His divine grace. I'm talking about the cross. We can't buy our salvation. We can't work it out. If you went uh, Sunday night and we seen Philip LeCru, that's what he was talking about. It's something we can't earn. It's the favor of God. He went to the Christ, to the cross, for each and every one of us. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from. It doesn't matter. He died for all of us. He died for those guys that are shooting people. He died for those guys that are getting shot. He died for the families that are being hurt. He died for each and every one of us. We need to understand that. For by grace we were saved through faith and not of ourselves. It was a gift of God. Not works. So we can't boast. Because how many know we like to boast? We like that pat on the back. Makes us feel good. Pastor Al, he used to say, I remember this from 23 years ago. We're the only animal. You pat us on the back and we get coconuticus giganticus. <laughs> because we like to get patted on the back. Well done, yeah. We like that. Everything we have, everything we need is already provided in Christ. If you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians 1.3 real quick. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. See, like Joseph, we are anointed. Like Joseph, we are favored. We have a vision. We have a God-given destiny. See, the problem is we don't operate in it. We don't see it. We, we go, oh, woe is me when something happens in our life. We think, oh, God must not like me. He must not love me. Let me tell you, God is working within your life in everything that you go through. Every single thing. And just like Joseph, we have adversaries. To our anointing, our vision, and our favor. See, the Bible says Joseph's brothers saw the favor of his father on him, and they hated him for it. They hated him. Then the Bible says they hated Joseph more for his dreams. More for his vision. That's what people hate. 
And you think people hate you. What do you think the devil does? The devil can't stand us. Everything he can do to deter us from the vision, the purpose, and the destiny of God in our lives, he is going to do. And he'll do it in a lot of ways. We're going to look at that in just a moment. See, it's a sad fact, but the greatest adversaries to your favor, to your vision, and to your destiny aren't drug addicts. They're not prostitutes. They're not homosexuals. Sometimes the greatest adversaries to our vision, your anointing, and your favor is people in the church. Can I be real? Is it okay to be real up in this place? Sometimes, man, you come out and you tell somebody, man, I want to do this for God. Well, you can't do that. You're not qualified. Well, but I want to go to Cape Town, man, be a shot. Yeah, you can. People will tell you you can't. Well, you can't get a passport because you got past child support. Shut up. Oh, that's Philip coming out right now. Better watch out. I might call his son names too. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. You know why they, they come at you like that? Because they don't have a vi- their destiny. They don't know their destiny. They don't have a vision. They don't have plans for God. They don't have desire for God. No passion for God. No fire, no zeal. No expectations of great things to come. So they say, well, if I come against him, he won't make me look bad. Are you guys with me tonight? It's okay to be real? You know why? Because they're satisfied where they're at. Oh, yeah, they're satisfied where they're at. That's why they're not on church on Sunday. Especially football season. It's coming up, baby. Let me tell you, ain't no Raider, ain't no 49er die for you. They didn't go to the cross for you. When they gear up, they gear up for money. They don't care about you. They want you in the stands. That's all they want. But Christ bled for you. He died for you. He died to give you a vision, a purpose, a destiny, a plan, an expectation. God has great things in store for your life. Don't get satisfied. See, these kind of people, they live on status quo avenue on the corner of average and mediocrity. That's where you can find them anytime you want to look for them. That's where they'll be. Why are they so resentful? Why do they criticize and persecute? Well, Joseph's brothers put them down, and people are going to put you down. Because they recognize the anointing on your life. You know what's funny? I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not getting, I'm not getting down on the home or nothing. But I remember getting out of the home and getting called to the Philippines. I'll go to the Philippines. And all of a sudden, all these girls like me. And I go, do I look that good? Am I that hot? And you know what I found out? It was the anointing. I got a hookup because of the anointing. That's all it was. It ain't all about us. It's the anointing. Pastor Greg, it ain't you, bro. It's the anointing. 
You try to come out here with your little thing, son. It wasn't you, brother. It was the anointing. See, when they see the power of your vision, and it exposes their blindness. It exposes them. So you can expect, let me tell you, what you, if you're taking notes, write this down. You can expect physical attacks. I've been going through an attack for eight months on my back. Eight months. You can go through financial attacks. You're going to go through attacks on your mind. Attacks that are spiritual and originate from hell. That's what's going to happen. But our greatest attacks will always come from people who can't see what you see. They can't hear what you hear. They resent you. Because they're not satisfied where you're at. They want you to stay down. They want you to just say, hey, you're good right there. You know what every leader that we have in our church, every pastor, I'm going to tell you right now, we want you to do better than us. That's what we want. When you, when you start rising up, we go, oh, yeah, we did our job. That's it. We want to work ourselves out of a job. Right, AJ? Hey, psycho. Get down, brother. I mean, I'm a little too old to play psycho now. I got to put black in my beard and all that crazy stuff. It ain't working no more. We needed somebody to rise up. Because I'm asking God. I go, God, every time we get ready to do shotgun, why does my back hurt worse? Because your time is done, boy. <laughs> like I'm about to raise somebody else up. Yeah. Amen? Amen? See, there's something about a vision from God. It has life in it. It starts with a fire in your belly. And if you don't let it out, you're going to blow up. See, Joseph's visions and expectations exposed the emptiness in his brothers, and they hated him. They conspired to kill him. If you look at the definition of conspire, it means to plan together, to plot to agree, to scheme together, to act in agreement and in secret towards a deceitful or illegal purpose. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. This is B.O. That's all we used to do before. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to get on Greg right now. I got you once. That's good. But let me remind you something. Your vision is greater than your enemy. I will. Your vision is greater than your enemy. It's greater than any adversary you could possibly have. And let me also tell you that no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you is in judgment and condemned already. They threw Joseph in a pit. Secondly, I know you guys are ready for number two. Our vision brings a pit. Our vision brings a pit. If there's not a pit in your life, you ain't got vision. I don't care how anointed you are. 
I don't care how great your vision is or how much favor you have in your life. You're going to experience a pit. Not once, not twice, continually. Because that's the way it is. It's going to be a financial pit, a pit of affliction, a pit of depression, a pit of betrayal. But the important thing to know is the pit is not your destiny. It's just something you're going through. And you're going to get through it. The pit is not your destiny. When you feel like it is, you get all depressed because you're in the pit. And I know about it. Eight months I've been dealing with this thing. It's a miracle I'm standing with no pain right now. But let me tell you, as soon as the anointing goes, it's going to be... Been there, done that. But it's still not my destiny. I'm getting ready to get it on. Amen? So don't stay there in your pit. Don't stay there. Forward your, your mail to the palace. I might have to say that again. Forward your mail to the palace. Because that's where you're headed. That's where you're destined to. See, they threw Joseph in the pit. It was empty, and there was no water in it. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> it was empty, and there was no water in it. Get this in your spirit. There was no water, okay. no refreshment, wow. nothing to quench his thirst, no physical evidence of better days to come. Water is the basic element of life. Without water, you die. So this tells us that Joseph was in a dark place. There was nothing to show victory over the pit. He could have thought, well, this is the end. This is it. I'm done. I don't have water. Have you ever been there? I have. I have. But there's another reason the Bible tells us there was no water in the pit. If the pit had been filled with water, he would have drowned. He would have been dead. Unless he's Michael Phelps. But I'd never seen him win a track meet, so I don't know. You know, I'm just saying. But that sounds like little consolation. See, Joseph wouldn't drown even though he was thirsty. Joseph wouldn't drown even though he was hot in the desert. Joseph wouldn't drown even though he was dusty and dirty. But let me tell you something. When you're in the pit, you learn how to find hope and encouragement in the little things. It's just the little things. That you find hope and encouragement. That's what happens when you're in the pit. And you know when you're in the pit. It could be the pain pit, whatever the pit is. It's the pits in the pit. See, before the pit, I needed stuff to make me happy. Before the pit, I needed people to like me. Before the pit, I needed a pat on the back. 
Before the pit, I needed position in the church. Before the pit, I needed money in the bank. Before my, the, the pit, my praise was weak. Not only was it weak, it was inconsistent. Because when you're in the pit, man, it hurts. And you don't feel, oh, Lord, thank you for the pit. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We want to say that in church, but in reality, when you wake up and you can't move and it takes you 10 minutes to get out of bed, you don't feel like praising. That's why I thank God for my daughter. She got her praise on all the time. I hear her praise and I say, yeah. I'm not going to be in this pit very long. I got to get out of the bed and join her. Because she got something happening in her room. You ever see that movie, The War Room? Walk in her room, same thing. It's a prayer closet in there. See, but there's something about the pit. It causes you to look up and to be thankful for the little things in your life. The little things. See, Joseph said... I'm thankful that there was no water in the pit. Yeah, I'm thirsty. It hurt when I hit the bottom, but I praise God it was empty and I didn't drown. Listen, somebody here has been murmuring and complaining about what you don't have. About what you don't have. But you got to start praising God that the pit is empty. Even though you feel dry, you don't feel like God is even with you. You feel God is so far away. All you feel is dust. You get on your knees, you can't even focus. You feel dry. You're in that dry, arid place. You're in that pit. Have you ever been there? You can't stay there. You got to get down on your knees. You got to keep fighting and fighting and fighting and look for something to be grateful about and begin to get your gratefulness on, get your praise on, begin to worship God in that pit. Some of you even have the nerve to tell God he hasn't done anything worthy of your praise. What you need to do is stop murmuring and complaining. And start praising God that the pit was empty. You didn't drown. You're still here. You're not dead. You can still breathe. You still got your family. You still got eyes to see, ears to hear. You still got your limbs. You can still walk. You can still talk. You can still grab stuff. There's a lot of people who can't do that today. You're still alive. There's a lot of people who can't see this day. When I think about people going through the pit, I think about my daughter. She had to come back go through seven surgeries. Go through it. Soldier through it. She never complained. She wouldn't even take the drugs they gave her. She goes, I'm going to go through this a la natural. And I'm saying, give them to daddy. No, no.
Baptist church, I ain't gonna lie. No. <laughs> but if you're sitting here tonight, you're in your right mind. Yeah. Well, 89% of you. <laughs> we'll go there. Amen. You gotta praise them because your heart's still beating. You still got breath, man. You didn't die when you hit the bottom of that pit. You woke up this morning. Let me tell you something about praise. If you don't get anything else, get this. Praise accepts the present. No matter what it is. No matter what you're going through. It accepts it. It accepts it. God ordained it. Why? We'll find out later. But right now, we just got to praise Him anyhow. Love Him anyhow. Be grateful anyhow. Praise is accepting our situation as part of God's perfect will for our lives. Because it is. It's God's perfect will. Whatever you go through in your life, as hard as it may be, as tough as it is, as much as you don't even want it to happen, it's God's perfect will at this time. But the good thing about seasons, man, they pass. They pass. It ain't going to last. We're going to move on, and God's going to do great things in your life. And the more pits you go to, the easier it is to get out of the pit. Because you learn how to fight. I remember when I used to be in the home, man, over 24 years ago. I would go through changes just for little things, man, like socks or, you know, some stupid stuff. But then I learned every trial, every tribulation, every pit got bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, pretty much, I've been through a lot of stuff. I'm not done going through stuff. You never will be done going through stuff, but I can take a lot. I ain't done. I'm not going to lose my praise. I'm not going to lose my salvation because of some lousy devil trying to get in there and messing me up. You got to be able to fight for it. It isn't based on what we hope will happen. We praise God not for what we expect will happen, but for who he is and where we're at right now. Listen, you can take my car and you can take my Harley, even though it took me three years to pray that thing in because my wife did not want me to have a bike. In a moment of weakness, she said, okay, Within five hours, I had that thing. I called Pastor Greg. I said, hey, we're taking a ride to Reno, man. Let's go. Hurry up. Just get in the truck. We got to go. Before she changed her mind. <laughs> then I found out the worst thing than not having a Harley is having one that can't ride it. That's what I get. You can take my house, you can take my money. But you can't take his presence from me. You cannot take his presence from me. It ain't going to happen. And you know what else? You can't take his anointing from me. No matter what I go through in this life, I'm still anointed. Some of you need to shout, I'm anointed. You got to shout with conviction, I'm anointed. Because you are. The devil can't take your anointing. You can't touch it. I may be going through hell, but I'm still anointed. 
I may have lost my job, but I'm still anointed. Sickness may have attacked my body, but I'm still anointed. You got to know you're anointed. You might be in a tight place right now, but you're still anointed. You may be in a dark place, but you're anointed. You may be fighting back tears right now, but you're anointed. Your heart could be broken, but you're still anointed. See, the devil intended you to die in that pit. He thought he pushed you to your death. But what I learned was, he pushed you into your anointing. That's what he did. He pushed you into your anointing. See, the anointing is released by the crushing of olives. That's how it's released. See, what Satan sent to crush you is releasing your anointing to the next level. <laughs> I don't know if you're getting this. He tried to crush, he tried to stop the vision, the purpose, the plan of Jesus Christ on the cross. What happened? The anointing increased. That's why we're here today. You can't stop the anointing of God. The more he crushes you, the stronger the anointing. The more he presses you, the stronger the anointing. The more it hurts, the stronger the anointing. My marriage may be under attack. My character could be assassinated. My kids are messed up, but I'm still anointed. Instead of having a pity party and murmuring and complaining, I'm going to put on the garment of praise. Right here in this pit, I'm going to give God the praise he deserves. This is my praise pit. This is my praise pit. Where's yours? I want you to know you're not going to die in the pit. You're not going to die in the pit. I like to call it a temporary inconvenience. You're bigger than that pit. Your vision is bigger than that pit. Your anointing is bigger than that pit. Your destiny is bigger than that pit. See, what God wants to see from us is praise from that pit. Are you ready for number three? I don't want to go too long. I didn't say none. <laughs> number three. Our vision has to focus on the future. It has to focus on the future. Don't wait until everything looks good and everything turns around. Don't wait until everything feels good. You can't wait until you get to the palace. You got to give the palace praise from the pit. I don't know if you're getting that. You got to give palace praise from the pit. Right there where the devil said it was going to end, that's where you got to start your praise. Right there in that hard place, that dark place, that broken place, that place where you can't see anything good. Right there, put on the garment of praise. See, God's looking for someone who loves him. No matter what they're going through. 
No matter what you're going through. You know, it takes faith to praise God. It takes faith. That's what God's looking for. Are you going to praise me anyhow? No matter what you go through? Hello. Who said life was fair? Nobody. It's not. See, before Joseph was lifted out of the prison to meet Pharaoh, he changed his clothes. Ooh. He changed his clothes. Are you, are, you, are you feeling it? Are you feeling it? We're not going to have you change your clothes, but are you feeling it? In other words, he put on the palace praise while he was still in prison. I want you to tell your neighbor, I'm leaving the pit. I'm going to the palace. And my praise is going to bring me there. My worship is going to bring me there. See, your vision has to see the future and focus on that future. Don't let your praise focus on the pain. Let your praise focus on God's future. Don't focus on the pit. Focus on the palace. Don't focus on your defeats. Focus on the glory and the victory that God is bringing your way. Take off that bondage clothes you have on and put the garments of praise. Jesus told Lazarus, take off the grave clothes. Some of you ain't getting that. Take off the grave clothes. First thing, he, he rose up from the grave, rose up from the dead. He said, take off those graves, put on the garments of praise, begin to give me glory. That's what you need to do. You're, you're going to be a changed life. You're going to win souls for my honor and glory. You're going to be a testimony of what I can do in the pit. See, that's what happens. We become a testimony of what God can do in a pit. Get it on. See, praise releases the power. God's power begins to be unleashed. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him this. There's a prophecy hidden in my praise. Turn to the other neighbor and say the same thing. If you want to know where I'm going, listen to my praise. Did I got to say that again? <laughs> if you want to know where I'm going, listen to my praise. If you want to know my next level, mm, listen to my praise. If you want to know what's coming next, Listen to my praise. Look at Genesis 41 with me, verse 14. We're so close to closing, I can feel it. Can't say nothing. Are you guys there? It's important to get this. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the judge, dungeon, excuse me, 
And he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. My praise is prophetic. I said, my praise is prophetic. I don't want to sound harsh. I don't want to sound uncaring. But I want to tell you the truth that many times our praise is not prophetic. It's pathetic. It's weak. It's sickly. It's half-hearted. It's insincere. It's even sloppy. We don't need to have pathetic praise. We are praising the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator of the universe. Don't get pathetic on us now. If you're going to clap, you're going to clap for the King of Kings. Give Him the glory He deserves because He deserves everything. It's not about man. It's not about woman. It's about God. And God bless you, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. We glorify your name. See, but that pathetic praise was before the pit. And I understand it. Now my praise is the real deal. I'm going somewhere. This pit can't hold me. This prison can't hold me. This sickness can't hold me. This bondage can't hold me. This addiction can't hold me. I got real praise now. And it's Prophetic. See, when Joseph changed his clothes, he was still in the prison. In other words, he looked crazy. He looked out of place. All dressed up, standing in the penitentiary. All dressed up. And you know how inmates are, well, most of us do. They'd be making fun of you. They'd be, look at this cat. Look at that. Who does he think he is? Capping on him. But see, his praise was prophetic. He knew he was going someplace. He knew he wasn't destined to stay in that prison. He wasn't destined to stay in that pit. He knew that he was going to the palace. He didn't care what people thought. He didn't care how people looked at him. Well, I'm not going to raise my hands because people will think I'm Pentecostal or something. My voice ain't that good. Let me tell you something. Your voice sounds awesome to God. You don't care what your voice sounds like. You should hear my, you heard my wife sing. That girl can sing. Sang. When I sing, the flies leave the house. But you know who likes it? God. You don't care how bad I sing as long as I sing. Are you with me? But it didn't matter to Joseph. Because his praise revealed his future. He began to act like the man he wanted to be. If you want to begin to act like the person God wants you to be and you want to be, it's time to lift your hands. It's time to praise God. It's time to give him all the worship, give him all the glory, because that's where you're going to go. You're going to go to the palace. Don't care what people think. Who cares what they think? They didn't die for you. Don't let people keep you from your destiny. Don't do it. See, when people see you with your praise on, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of your problems, 
in the midst of your fire, you know what happens? It gives them hope. There could be a way out. When you go out there on the streets, hitting the streets, and we're marching down the streets, and we see families who lost their sons at a young age, tragically, we're the ones that give them hope. It's not the city. It's not the police. We're the ones that give them hope. Because we're, we've been through the fire. We've been through the pit. But we know there's a way out. That's what we do. That's our job. Are you guys with me tonight? Are you tired of me yelling at you already? It's about time anyway. It's time to give them crazy praise. Sometimes I'll be in my car when I'm by myself, which is rare now, because I, I, I got like an entourage. <laughs> 